Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Thank you for joining us for the Wellbeing Wednesday podcast. This podcast is a forum where you can listen in as members share successful strategies on well-being and resilience in both their personal and professional lives. My name is Anna Allegra Dopp, and I'm joined by colleague Bailey Larson. She's the Strategic Initiatives Associate here at ASHP and the fellow ASHP staff liaison to the National Academy of Medicine Action Collaborative on Clinician Wellbeing and Resilience. We will be your hosts today for this ASHP Wellbeing Wednesday podcast. And with us is a very exceptional person, Dr. Christina Martin. Many of you remember Christina for all she did while she was on staff at ASHP. And then last winter, she embarked on a new professional adventure to become the section chief in pharmacy at the National Institutes of Health. While she was with ASHP, Christina was instrumental in leading our efforts on well-being and resilience. And she's passing the baton a bit now to Bailey. And she's with us today to talk about real-world strategies for leaders. Thanks, Anna. This is Bailey. Christina, it's so great to connect with you again. I consider you a mentor and friend, and I'm, I'm so glad that you came back to join us on this podcast. Let's start by talking about your role and how your first number of months have gone since leaving ASHP and rejoining practice. Sure. Anna, Bailey, all of our friends at ASHP, thanks for having me on the podcast today. And it's fun to sit on the other side. So this is what it, it feels like to be, to be on the interviewee side. Here we are in October of 2021, and it's hard to believe that I've been in my current role for eight months now. So I am our section chief over our intravenous admixture unit, so our IVAU unit, which is part of the broader department of pharmacy at the clinical center, which is just one piece of the National Institutes of Health. And I think even though I live geographically in the area because ASHP headquarters is just a stone's throw south from here, I didn't really know much about the NIH and the clinical center. And it's Many of us, perhaps others listening, may know more about the NIH than even I do, um, as it has been quite in the spotlight these past 20 months. But from a practice model piece, so the National Institutes of Health, there are 26 institutes. And then the clinical center is the institution or the hospital where the institutes send their patient for inpatient and ambulatory treatment. So it's pretty cool. So as a department of pharmacy, we are quite large. Um, we do directly support some of the institutes or we indirectly liaison to others. Uh, but our pharmacy serves all of the patients for all of the clinical research trials that are run by and supported by the Institute. So it's a pretty impressive operation. I've only been here eight months and I surely have a lot to learn. But in my role, I did kind of transition back to what I was doing before ASHP in the world of uh, compounded sterile preparations and anything kind of related to compounding processes, but with a greater emphasis on investigational drugs and the research piece, which has been, I think, will be an area to continue growing. So yeah, it was an interesting time to transition. Uh, February 2021, we were almost at that one-year mark of the pandemic. And I think transitioning roles is challenging no matter where or when you have done it. And transitioning in a pandemic was a new one for me and one to write about in the book. 
So as both of you are aware at ESHP, we had been 100% virtual since March of 2020, kind of gotten to a new pace and a new groove in virtual world, um, setting up habits personally and professionally. And then come February 2021, and I was aware of this, it was back to 80% in person. So there was very much this transition, um, having to be intentional with my family, my friends, my other commitments, because now I was going from a virtual, maybe more accessible routine to one that had more structure. Again, there was the, you know, routine driving into the workplace, doing the work on site, driving home. I just had to reshape sort of what the days look like, who was cooking dinner, what nights, what the availability was. But then as I was thinking about this and prep for the episode, like, yes, that is a big transition, but perhaps it was easier than if we I had made that transition in a pre-pandemic life where there were so many extracurriculars and things in February of 2021 were still kind of shut down. We weren't back to in-person. Many activities were virtual. So I could still attend a lot of those maybe outside of work activities or, um, or I could at the end of my day, log in as I was as transitioning home. So perhaps that transition was a bit easier because I could stay connected and we had all these virtual tools to do so. I think one of the pieces, Bailey, you asked about how it's going, that 60 to 90 day mark, it was hard. Um, it was it was a transition. It was just very different work. But I leveraged my toolbox of all the well-being resources that have come through the Action Collaborative and through ASHP. Um, and I learned, I learned, you know, just transparency. And so being transparent with my supervisor about the challenges really helped us to work through the onboarding piece here. So, Christina, you were with ASHP um, when we started to formally sponsor the National Academy of Medicine Action Collaborative and when the strategic plan was revised to embed a commitment to well-being and resilience and then also as ASHP advanced policy. And so you've been learning and seeing um, the evidence come through and best practices come through and and seeing that from the ASHP perspective, but now as you have transitioned back to practice, I would love to hear your thoughts on how you translate that those, what might be theoretical models, best practices, but actually how do they get applied both from the individual standpoint, but then also as your role as a leader in supporting the well-being of your team? What does that look like? We have talked about a lot recently, this is an evolving topic, and in the last 20 months has pivoted or significantly evolved with, with new challenges and expanding of others. Um, so kind of thinking about this um, and applying it in 2021, um, I think one of the first things was scanning the environment or understanding the challenges at that moment. So I was coming into the team, I was coming onto the organization at a very interesting time. Uh, and one, just the, what was going on in the broader world around us, but two, like my role had been vacant for a significant period of time. They had been without that leadership presence in this capacity. And so first step was just kind of scanning the environment. Where is the team on their well-being journey? And what did this look like? This looked like a lot of listening. So trying to understand where people were using those active listening skills. Yes, there have been difficult times in the past. Yes, there will be challenges that continue to occur, but 
being there or being present to understand, meet people where they are um, on their own journey, meet people where they are as individuals on their professional journey, meet the team where they are, and then try to understand where the organization is going. So it really did look like a lot of, of, of listening, observing, asking questions to begin to translate those models uh, at the beginning. I was reflecting on how one of the recent pieces in AJHP uh, by Bridgman and colleagues, and it was titled Burnout Syndrome Among Healthcare Professionals, uh, was a broad article sort of just describing risk factors to burnout in healthcare practitioners, but also perhaps mitigation strategies. And I reflected on that article as I was transitioning into this role as a reminder that there are, while there are different causes, there are also different reward strategies. And so finding out what motivated the individuals on my team and taking note of that as we continue to move through challenges and to understand why they're here and what motivates them were some early pieces that I wanted to capture um, within my role. And then a big piece is just leveraging the expertise of others and something that ASHP has done really well with the time on the NAM Action Collaborative. And I kind of parallel this leveraging the expertise of others, quickly identifying experts or expertise in our system here that was available. So these were things like we have an Office of Workforce Management Development. Um, we have an EAP program. Many organizations do. We have chaplains. We have a well-being committee. So really just trying to, again, collect gather what are those resources that we can um, elevate and maximize and then also promote down to the team level where they might not have been exposed to it. Um, and then all of this to say, uh, what does it look like? Honesty and transparency. So I was going to make missteps in my role, especially early on, but showing the team that I too am human, I'm still learning um, and being sort of humble about that. I found myself very frequently saying, that's a great question. I do not know, but let's find the answer together. And I'm still only eight months into this. I still use that line a lot, but I think that's something that breaks down any potential barriers. It puts us on the same playing page and we can move forward together on this well-being journey. Thanks, Christina. I think you made some really notable points and especially, especially leveraging the expertise of others. When you were still ASHP, I, I definitely look to you and Anna uh, in this capacity. And so for the next thing I wanted to discuss, so many cultural values and priorities start with the leadership setting, setting that commitment. And that is the case, especially with addressing burnout and cultivating well-being and resilience in the healthcare workforce. So knowing that you were about to be stepping into this leadership role at NIH of all places, can you share some of the things you are intentional about bringing with you from a well-being and resilience standpoint? Sure, happy to. Um, so kind of continuing from the last question, the, the theoretical models, I think just an awareness of those, an awareness of the repository of information that exists. So I don't know if I should share this, but during my job interview, I had to do a presentation and I did on this very topic, um, one that I'm passionate about, but had done a lot of research on. And I think just brought the awareness that there is a larger um, national presence on this topic, that it's being acknowledged and that there's research being done, that there's publications, that there's ongoing work. So just bringing that awareness piece and then drilling down to the different resources that are available for individuals and for teams. So we talk about well-being as a journey. It, it should not be a checkbox on your to-do list. So 
what this has looked like is regularly including the topic at our staff meetings in one-on-one meetings with team members, even when managing up when working with my supervisor or other leaders at our organization. Um, I was reflecting how at ASHP, one tactic that we frequently heard in presentations, and it also has some ties to neuroscience research is the three good things exercise. So this is where, you know, you pause for a few minutes to reflect on three good things that occurred in the day. And it really has the opportunity to quickly shift your mindset. So this may mean that you're falling asleep thinking about a win from the day rather than your growing to-do list for tomorrow. And you may sleep better at night. I've actually adopted a similar tactic into my weekly meetings. Uh, when I meet with my team and we have a positive thing, challenging moment reflection. Since our team operates across all shifts and my leaders too wear multiple hats, it's an opportunity for us each week to have that purposeful pause um, to celebrate our wins, but also to be aware of the challenging moments that we're facing individually and as a team. Some other intentional aspects that I brought with me, I think were boundaries. And anytime you're starting a new journey or a new chapter, you have that opportunity to reflect on what are your negotiables and non-negotiables and which boundaries are rigid and which boundaries may have some movement. Um, So I think that was one piece that I redefined my personal and professional boundaries, and I, I made sure to communicate those to my team. And it wasn't just the communication piece. I think um, many of us as people are becoming aware of the importance of boundaries and communicating them, but going one step further and actually doing what I say I'm going to do. So if my out of office, I'm not available till Wednesday, you will not hear from me until Wednesday. And it's easier said than done, but really holding myself accountable to any sort of boundaries or expectations I'm expecting from others. And then I think specific to the pandemic, and now we're in the second fall of this, our team, their family members, there are still exposures in the community. Um, people have to sort of abide by public health measures. And so perhaps the motto, let snow days be snow days, allowing leaders, allowing team members to sick days be sick days. Yes, we can connect virtually. Yes, we have these tools at our disposal. But also, I'm really encouraging my staff to take time for their well-being, whether that's physical or other, so they are recharged and coming back to work in a well-being state. Your comments, um, you know, we've talked about this uh, before about well-being and resilience needing to be viewed as a value versus an initiative. Initiatives get finished and put away, but values get embedded into the culture. And what you just shared definitely highlights that that you're doing that with your team. Ongoing has a long, long-term view with it. And thinking about that and thinking about things that you're trying to leverage is what are some of the challenges that you've had in implementing strategies to foster well-being and resilience amongst your staff? Many. <laughs> like you said, not, not an uh, easy topic when there are so many sort of um, competing items or timelines. It is still the pandemic. Where we live, there are still mask mandates. We are physical distancing. We're wearing masks all days. I haven't seen any of my team members without their masks unless we're on a virtual video. So it has been a challenge to to read body language and to get to know people because we rely on the nonverbal communications as humans and connecting to others. I'm also reflecting that this is October and National Pharmacy Week is coming up. And so our celebrations are still going to look very different than they did in pre-pandemic times. I think that is a challenge as well. But the similar challenges that are enduring time, support, resources, buy-in, competing priorities, reshuffling of the priorities, 
And then really specific drilling down to my team. So we work in our sterile compounding facility. So elements of gathering, break rooms, food, coffee, we can't have them there. So the way we gather as a team looks and feels different. Um, we are excited that we're going to be moving into a new facility in the future, and there's going to be a pharmacy lounge. So there will be this physical space for staff to gather. But it, those, I guess, have been some of the challenges, more just design, physical, public health measures in, in nature, but the ones that will continue to occur across time is where well-being fits within the priorities of a smaller team or the broader organization. Yeah, things that we all took for granted, including a pharmacy lounge. I'm hoping that sooner rather than later, you guys will be able to gather in person again. And it sounds like it's going to be a great space. Um, you've been offered some training on resiliency leadership. Can you speak to the application and utility of those resources and um, the resources that have become available to you? We have competencies to complete as individual employees, but also those of us that hold supervisory roles. Uh, in my short time here, I had the opportunity to participate in the first fully virtual supervisor training cohort for the clinical center. Um, this particular program has been offered in person for many, many years and transitioned to virtual as our work continued in a hybrid sort of model. Um, one of the full day courses as part of that program was focused on well-being and resiliency. Um, but what I thought what 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 was um, really at least powerful uh, for myself, maybe for some of the other course participants, is that it was evident that the facilitator throughout the duration of the training program, um, she was intentional about weaving the thread of well-being through. So yes, we had one dedicated sort of course but she tried to weave the elements throughout our program. So at the beginning of any of the sessions, she would ask participants to reflect on how they applied material from the last session to date, um, what challenges we had faced. She also encouraged us to share wins. And this was intentional, right? She designed the kickoff or the beginning of each session, very intentional um, to foster the sense of community among new supervisors. And a number of us were also just new staff members uh, and also encouraging us to practice transparency and vulnerability skills that we could then, as we practiced in a safe space, could practice with our teams and those that we're leading. So I think I mentioned a little bit ago, we have an Office of Workforce Management and Development. They regularly offer various sessions, and one of them in this time here was about resilience in turbulent times, so specific to what we're living through. And I think taking that information and, and all the other expertise uh, through our organization, trying to just weave it into regular staff meetings, gatherings, not trying to be not an information hoarder and sharing what's out there with others. Because uh, as we said, there's just so many kind of tentacles to well-being that one tentacle will latch depending on where you as an individual are um, in your in your journey. Well, that's, that's a good um, way to explain it. So as you think about those tentacles, what have been some of your other go-to resources that you've tried um, to support your own well-being and resilience, but then also the well-being and resilience of your staff? Good question. So in addition to some of the resources I mentioned earlier, um, I think a big piece has been leveraging the resource of people. Um, so my own personal, professional sort of support groups as I was navigating into this next chapter of practice, 
looking also to some peers who had maybe transitioned during the pandemic. And so what did they learn making a big transition during this interesting period of time? Other resources, I, have, I think just a lot of self-reflection on myself, which I had done before transitioning in, but recognizing that um, I, I naturally tend to be a positive person. And I think I mentioned, you know, this team had gone through a lot of change. The role had been vacant. There, there's a global pandemic. Just a lot of challenges they're facing. I really tried to exercise my strength and positivity and to bring the positivity as a resource to the staff and how maybe they're framing or approaching their work. And then really through my short time here, meeting as many people as I can in person and virtually um, and how they have perhaps interfaced with this role or the team in the past um, and what resources they could bring or offer. So using my maximizer and harmony strength to be resources, especially as there are all those competing priorities, but they could also offer us skills and also offer perspective uh, from their time and their tenure here at the organization. It's so interesting that you just listed Maximizer and Harmony as some of your strengths, because I was reflecting on that. I know that those are your strengths, as is being as is a, a learner. You being a learner is another one of your strengths. And the, the next question I want to talk to you about is, is something that it, that exhibits that you are this learner as and that and how you've built that into ways that you support your individual well-being and resilience and so what comes to mind is that you really love to travel and you love to exercise but then also during this last year you you flexed your learner muscle and you um, received your certified associate executive um, certification, and then also went through um, becoming certified a certified yoga instructor on top of your full-time work obligation. So we just want to know how that's going as you've transitioned into your new role, and we'd love to talk more about that. Yeah, you, you both know I could talk about yoga for an entire podcast, but perhaps not. <laughs> Everyone loves to listen to that. But thanks for adding a yoga question in. Um, for nine years now, a regular yoga practice has been the constant through all of my personal and professional changes. Um, and this year, yoga just continued to be that constant uh, with transitions. Not only the yoga practice itself, but the elements of the practice have been an anchor for me to ground to in navigating new and unfamiliar territories. So for those of you familiar with yoga, and I know I've done yoga with both of you, but yoga is really all about the breath. It's not about the postures. We've That's more the Western adaptation has been more focused on the postures, but yoga is about breathing. And breathing is super cool because it's the one body function that we have both conscious and unconscious control over. And back to the like self-reflection piece, because I think self-reflection is extremely important when you're preparing for going through and recovering from or immediately after any big event. Um, but one thing I know about myself is that when I get super focused, I hold my breath. And yoga has taught me to be aware that I'm holding my breath and to then add a pause and start breathing. So if I'm really overwhelmed or if I, I bring that attentiveness to myself, that like, oh, you're holding your breath, take that 30 to 60 second pause to breathe and help to lower the heart rate. Um, so some of those elements 
uh, something I'm trying to teach my team and to share with others that like, all right, like there's a lot going on or adding that purposeful pause in the day um, just to, cause we're constantly going and shifting from, from tasks and responsibilities, but, like take the pause, take a breath. Um, and it's, very healthy for you. Um, on the teaching front, teaching yoga has given me something to continue to look forward to, especially in these days with back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back virtual meetings. Uh, I can dig just a little bit deeper for that energy to get through that 10th virtual meeting of the day, knowing that at the end of the day, I'll be on my mat, I'll twist, I'll stretch, I'll sweat, and really just find that space then to do it all again the next day. Uh, and so, yes, we're still kind of in this somewhat stressful moment in the world, but also at work, we have just a lot of big projects going on. Um, and so since travel is still somewhat limited, I found a place for both my mind and my yoga practice to travel this fall and really excited to continue flexing that learner muscle, but also combine the well-being and the yoga and um, preparing for a mindful resilience for trauma recovery training course later this fall. Christine, I love hearing people talk about things that they are very passionate about, and that is clearly you and yoga and this journey. And you are a beautiful yogi inside and out. So thank you so much for speaking with Anna and I today. We are so happy you're spreading well-being strategies to the pharmacy workforce, and they are very lucky to have you at NIH. As we wrap up, is there any last advice for others transitioning through roles as the pandemic continues? In addition to that self-reflection, um, that self-reflection is so key. You know, what are those pieces I want to take with me into the next chapter? What are the pieces I may want to modify? And what are those pieces I want to put a stop to? And, um, and I think maybe that's where the boundaries piece, too. You sort of get this fresh when you have a transition, whether it's a physical move transition or um, a professional transition or even a family transition growing uh, to your family. So in addition to the self-reflection piece, I, one last piece of advice is stop and take a breath. Uh, uh, you know, we're, we're all very reactive. Um, we're constantly connected to all of our devices. I think our brains are probably now rewired to jump at any sort of alert, the signal that is coming our way. And I've read that all of these signals cause us to, to feel more anxious, but our heart rate is rising. We're holding our breath. We start to like pull the shoulders up to the ears. And so, <laughs> yes, like we have all these tools at our disposal, but they, they, we have control over what the tools are and how we're receiving that information. So um, I think it's, really leaning into the reminding yourself you have a choice, you have a choice how to respond, um, perhaps incorporating that purposeful pause in your day when you are aware that you're becoming more reactive, that something doesn't quite feel right, take that pause, take that breath, and then choose what your next step will be. And it's, it's like yoga, it's practice. I definitely was not aware of some of those signs until recently, but I think becoming more in tune of what, what triggers you, but building in that perfect, purposeful, intentional pause throughout the day so that becomes a new norm within your routine. I feel like we just need to have like a five-second pause for all our listeners right now. Just, just everyone, just take a deep breath right now while you're driving or on the train, but that's, that's a great reminder. That's all the time we have for today. I want to thank you, Christina Martin, for joining me and my co-host and colleague, Anna Lake Dopp. 
to discuss these real-world strategies for leaders. Join us here every month for more Wellbeing Wednesday podcasts. Thank you, Bailey. Thank you, Anna. And I wish all of our listeners very well. Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official.